Coming up on the WAC Podcast, the Commissioner's Cup stays in Phoenix. Speaking of Phoenix, we're in Mesa for the WAC Baseball Tournament. What a record-breaking tournament it was. And we have a bunch of student-athletes qualifying for nationals in track and field. That's all ahead on the WAC Podcast. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode is presented by Hercules Tires. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan. The 2022-23 school year is officially over in terms of championships. We just finished baseball in Mesa at Ho-Ho-Cam Stadium. And uh, what a week that was. But first, let's break down the Commissioner's Cup. That is our competition between schools. It takes a number of sports, and then you get points if you win the regular season, more points if you win the championship. And for the third straight year, Grand Canyon takes the title. Yeah, congratulations to the Lopes. Good to see you, Kendra. For those of you uh, listening, I'm uh, actually in Atlanta at the SVG convention. That's the sports video group, their college summit. So I will be here, and uh, there's all kinds of presentations, people talking about different ways to do streaming and some successes they've had this year, uh, some things that could be changing on the horizon, some equipment they use, those kind of things. So kind of a uh, nerd convention, if you will, uh, for video people like myself. Um, And Kendra is in our office in Arlington, Texas, and the Commissioner's Cup going to Grand Canyon. Congratulations to the Lopes. And as you mentioned, Kendra, this is a formula that really rewards the, the best program top to bottom in the in the 20 different uh, WAC sports we had this year. GCU winning seven combined championships uh, this past 22-23 season. They won the postseason trophies, men's indoor track and field. They won basketball regular season. They won women's tennis, men's golf, men's outdoor track and field, and softball. So uh, no, no surprise there because GCU has built – all of their programs really, Kendra, to compete for conference championships and in some sports, you know, compete nationally as well. Absolutely. And I think before coming into baseball, there was no way that regardless of their performance would be able to catch, nobody would be able to catch them. They were that far in the lead. They had solidified themselves. Um, so congratulations to them. Utah Valley coming in second place with 49 points. Stephen F. Austin was in third, just a half point behind Utah Valley. New Mexico State was number four. And Southern Utah, first year in the league, finished number five in the Commissioner's Cup standings. So, uh, again, we were kind of tying a bow a little bit on the season as, as now the regular seasons have ended, but we're still plenty of action going on in terms of playoffs, in terms of championships. Let's kind of break down, Kendra, what happened uh, this past week at baseball, Mesa, Arizona, uh, Ho-Ho Camp Stadium, always a great venue to have our baseball championships. We had eight teams this year. We started on Tuesday, ended on Saturday, and during that time, we saw more runs scored than any WAC tournament before, uh, just uh, including in that championship game. 
Yeah, it was an offensive powerhouse weekend week in full. And, you know, a lot of questions coming in was, you know, it's, it's a professional ballpark. So, you know, people who, you know, were used to being power hitters and going for the home runs didn't feel like that necessarily was going to be their approach at Ho-Ho Camp because those, those home runs that would score them in their ballpark weren't likely to be home runs in ho-ho cam. And so a lot of different offenses had to change their style, maybe just string some hits together. But man, we saw several home runs that went through the back where the bot, the batter's eye is the, the furthest place to have a home run in the stadium. We saw quite a bit of those and we saw a lot of velocity coming off the bats. And we had some really, really strong power hitters that really showed up in, in Mesa. And while it's harder to get a home run maybe there and didn't prove to be this week necessarily, but the outfield is more spacious, so there's more room in the gap, so there's more room to get doubles and triples at Ho-Ho Cam, and I think that was a big reason why we saw so many runs scored this past week. Sam Houston in particular, the number two seed, had to go through the loser's bracket to win the championship this year, and... That's always the challenge when, especially when arms are tired, you've already thrown your starting pitcher or your number one pitcher, your number two pitcher. You're having to count on, you know, people number three, number four, but just an unbelievable offensive surge. And in particular, on Saturday when they played Utah Valley, Utah Valley had to win one game to win the championship. Sam Houston comes through and, and they just uh, pound the ball for 39 runs in a pair of games against Utah Valley on championship Saturday that included in that second game, Kendra, an 11 run second inning. And those were all done with two outs. So, I mean, they, they couldn't, they couldn't not hit the ball. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's pretty incredible. When you think of a team, they had to play back to back double headers, you know, two days in a row. Um, and they faced Utah Valley in one of their first initial outings. They lost to them. It wasn't a blowout by any means. It was a close game. And that's what put them in the loser's bracket. So then they have to win the first game the next day and immediately play again to stay alive. They do that, go to championship. They have to win two, they know, to take down Utah Valley as they came in undefeated on championship day. And it was a close one. I mean, Utah Valley started really strong. They put seven runs up on the board in the first inning of the championship and you know we kind of were like oh man like you know sam houston my goodness has to have run out of gas well they respond right away put up five runs in the bottom of the first and we're like we have a ball game that one went back and forth forces that if necessary game and then you know it was just you know coach jay siriani had said they were just playing their guts from the second inning the day before and they come out and just I mean, just lay runs on the on the board ended up being a 22 to one finish. We play all nine innings in a championship. There is no right. run rule. And so it was just, I mean, a powerful offensive performance and pretty, pretty amazing as they had gone through many pitchers and were, you know, having five, six pitchers in a single game and then turning around having to play again and find out who, who do we start? Where, who do we put in relief? you know, try, how, how can we save arms in any way we can? And they got it done. Let's take a listen. You, you had a chance to talk to Jay Seriani after winning the championship. Let's take a listen to that interview. Coach, two days of back-to-back -back 
games. How gutsy was this team's performance to get the job done? Well, it all started with our offense. You know, we were able to score and, and just keep adding on to leads and, and that kind of thing. I'm really proud of these guys. They. Uh, you know, we, we kind of gave it up on the regular season side of it, and, and we had a good long meeting when we got back, and, and uh, they've came just unafraid to crash and burn. That's kind of been our, our MO all week, and, and they've been able to do it, so I'm really proud of them. Walker Yannick got it all started today, the RBI single. He batted in 12 total runs during this tournament. How impressed were you by his performance at the plate today? Uh, well, he's a good player. You know, he loves to play, he loves to compete. We had to drag him out of the game tonight. But, uh, you know, he, he's done a really good job for us all year, and he's fought some adversity and really proud of him as well. Colton Atkinson, six innings pitch, six strikeouts. How is he able to stifle this Wolverines offense? Well, it all starts with his fastball command. He didn't have it on Wednesday or Thursday or whatever day they, we, we played him again. And, and had to get him out of there, and luckily we did, and we were able to weather the rest of the day and, and get him to the night. So it all starts with his heater, and when he does it, he, he, has, he gives us a chance to win games. Congratulations, our WAC Tournament champions. It's been a long week. Go celebrate with your team. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Kendra, so Walker Yannick was also named MVP, most outstanding player, I guess, MOP. Is that correct? Not, not yes. necessarily. I always say MVP. MVP but dead, that's MOP alive. Most outstanding player of the tournament. Mom. They also had uh, Tyler Davis on the all-tournament team, uh, Joe Redfield, Jake Tatum, Justin Wyshkoski, who also – is our whack top play this week and also was in the sports center top 10 and, and just everybody up and down the order. Carlos Contreras came into the season as the co player of the year with Jacob Wilson from grand Canyon. And, and don't forget uh, Contreras hit over 400 last year. He was one of the nation's leaders and, and runs bad and didn't have the season he wanted, dropped him down to number eight in the batting order. And then he starts hitting. So everybody, one through nine, was just hitting for Sam Houston during the tournament, and it was reflected in the all-tournament team. Chandler David, their outstanding pitcher, also made the all-tournament team. But uh, you also had a chance to talk with the MVP of the tournament, Walker Yannick, the catcher from Sam Houston. Walker, you got this hitting party started today in RBI single. You batted in 12 total runs during this tournament. What made you so successful at the plate? Uh, I mean, I've... We've been having an approach all year, and I kind of just I got got off it for a little bit. You know, I got a start off tournament kind of rough, and then uh, I kind of just reverted back to it, and I kind of stuck with it, and it worked. I mean, uh, shout out to those guys; they did the same thing. I think everyone should have uh, should have this award as well. They did; everyone did a great job. You had to win four games in such a short period of time to get this one. How does that rally encompass what this team is all about? I mean, it started off in the fall. I mean, we were up at 5.30 every morning. All the guys know us, and that's who we are. I mean, we don't stop. Uh, and everything was against us. I mean, we had to win four games in a row, like you said, and we just kind of attacked it, and it's what we do. We're a really good ball club, and we're going to keep going. You showed a lot of toughness this season as a catcher. You certainly get banged up a lot out there. You had a spike go through your pinky finger this season, and you kept playing. How does this award, MOP, sum up the entire season and the body of work that you put in all year long? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's <laughs> not really much to say. Um, it's kind of just, it's, I mean, that's who we are as a team. We're all like that, you know. Um, uh, bumps and bruises, we just got to play through it. Um, there's nothing better. It all's it worth it. You know what I mean? Just playing through all those injuries, little stuff like that. 
it's all worth it in the end whenever you get to check, uh, celebrate with your boys like that. It's awesome. Has the pinky finger healed yet? Yeah, no, it's all good. It's all better. Congratulations. Go enjoy this one. Punch your ticket to the NCAA postseason tournament. Thank you so much. Yeah, one extremely humble guy. I mean, he literally said everyone should get that award. He almost was shocked he got it. But, you know, it's funny because I had talked to Jay Sirianni and in one of my interviews, you know, Walker Yannick was, he's their catcher. I mean, he he's their backbone. Um, you know, he stops a lot of people from running throughout the the game because he just has such a strong arm from, from behind the plate. But you know, he wasn't hitting very well and he started to. And I said, you know, how does that impact your lineup when you finally got all these guys? I mean, one through nine is, is a really lethal order that you have. And he must have heard that because he turned around that next game and like just was on fire. I mean, he batted in 12 total runs. He had 11 I believe on that championship day, um, just an all ultimate performance um, for somebody who basically had to play every single, you know, inning as a catcher, which isn't an easy role. And they ended up, I think, taking him out towards the end of that last one when they knew they were going to win, save him a little bit for, you know, potential NCAA regional run. But my goodness, did you know, just a really, really nice kid. And, and you can tell that, you know, very humble and just wants to get everything, everything he can done for the team. And you had a story about, uh, what, what was it, a nail gun or something going through his pinky? Yeah, I thought it was a nail gun in the conversation, yeah. but it turns out it must have been catching and a spike from a, the shoe went through his pinky finger, Oh my goodness. lost the nail, and then he apparently stayed in and played and he was missing his nail. So I checked up on him, nails growing back just fine. He's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we talked about that in the broadcast where – you know, the catcher, a lot of times, that's the, that's the toughest guy on the team. They they take a lot of bumps and bruises. I mean, you know, you got to block pitches. You're, you know, you're blocking the plate. You're, you're going to have, have all these injuries. And at the same time, you have to be maybe the most cerebral player on the team because you have to know where all nine guys are. You have to know where the runners are. And Walker Yannick uh, definitely showing that uh, he is one of the best catchers we had in the WAC this year, getting that most outstanding player award. And then Sam Houston, then uh, finding out their fate uh, and they will be heading to Baton Rouge. I think a little bit of a surprise, Kendra, because the uh, prognosticators had predicted that uh, they might go to Auburn, but instead it's Louisiana state where Sam Houston is going. Yeah. And they'll get a chance to play against an Oregon state team. That's pretty solid though. We had seen, I was kind of looking at one of the teams that a lot of our, our member institutions play during the regular season. Some have had success, some haven't. They're obviously a really solid team, but a good chance for Sam Houston if they come in and they can swing the bats like that. I think they'll face a, a tougher pitching staff, but you know, I think I think there's a lot of potential there. It's a really exciting run they could potentially make. And that they are the number three seed. Of course, the regionals, they have four teams in the regionals. So Sam Houston getting a number three seed. So some respect shown to the whack there as, as Tulane is the number four seed in that particular regional. And that'll be, as we just mentioned, that'll be played at Louisiana state. Uh, they do face off against Oregon state in their first game. That'll be June 2nd. And then we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, Tulane will then play LSU after that. So they don't have to play the host team at least right away. So that's usually a good sign in terms of what's happening with NCAA baseball. Remember New Mexico state, when they won the whack tournament last year, they went to Oregon state. It was a top five team and nearly beat the Beavers in the, in the first game, uh, really uh, shocked some people as well as they were playing, and they were an under 500 team at the time. But uh, 
that'll be a lot of fun to watch, uh, especially after having seen Sam Houston up close and personal. And, you know, I, Grand Canyon was the number one seed. I know disappointing for them uh, the end of the season. But uh, as we mentioned, Jacob Wilson, likely a, a top 10 pick in the upcoming Major League Baseball draft. We saw a lot of scouts there uh, checking out a lot of different players, not just Jacob Wilson. Homer Bush also may have improved his draft stock in the tournament uh, with some of his highlight reel catches and just seeing him in person and the kind of speed he possesses and the way he can hit the ball. It'll be a lot of fun uh, coming up in July to see where a lot of these uh, players go in the major league draft. Yeah, definitely. A lot of scouts were in attendance. Um, and and those, those were obviously players that they were looking at. The cool thing though, is, you know, the, the scouts are there to see these players. And then we have other players who, you know, might not have necessarily been on their radar as high and they were making some really, really stellar plays that might've improved their draft stock. They talked about Walker Yannick and his, draft stock Joe uh, Joe Redfield proving his draft stock and you know Utah Valley I think obviously it was it was definitely a disappointing end to their season but when you look at where they were I mean they were a team that you know barely had 500 wins they bring in Eddie Smith and this year they had over 30 wins in their program so it's definitely trending upwards um you know and just a situation that was was tough, I'm sure, for the players. It was it was tough for all the fans. They had a great fan base that that traveled up to uh to Mesa or down, I guess it would be over to the right, to the left. I'll look at a South. map later. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think we have just some really quality whack baseball programs. And even Abilene Christian had a number of power five wins. They got you know, they fell into the loser bracket. And I mean, once you fall down there, it's really, really hard to work your way back up. But Sam Houston was able to do it. But, you know, they Sam Houston and Abilene Christian went to 11 innings in one of their matchups. And Justin Wyszkowski walks it off with a grand slam. But I mean, easily that could have gone back and forth. And we could have looked at a lot of different situations. Sam Houston might have been, you know, knocked out or something. If he doesn't hit that home run, by the way, the first grand slam in the postseason in uh, WAC tournament history, uh, or I should say an in extra innings in uh, WAC tournament history. So that was, uh, it was this unbelievable run that they had. You mentioned Utah Valley and, and uh, they were the favorites coming into Saturday, but definitely not the favorites at the beginning of the season. And you mentioned Eddie Smith and the job that he's done in a short amount of time and Utah Valley definitely with the arrow pointing up. And the thing that's different about uh, Utah Valley, Kendra, is they have very few home games, especially early in the season, just because of where they are in Utah in terms of, you know, there's snow, there's cold. So they try to schedule, you know, more away games early in the year. So they don't have the benefit that some of our warmer weather schools have in terms of getting more games in, getting more warm weather games in at home, uh, like a Sam Houston or a Grand Canyon or California Baptist where, you know, the weather shouldn't be a factor in February and March, like it is in Utah. Yeah. I mean, they spent the first three weeks on the road and they said they got them a great opportunity to bond with each other. And, you know, they're used to having to go on the road and have to win on the road, which is, you know, exactly what our tournament is. Speaking of Utah Valley uh, in track and field, we have the West regionals uh, taking place this past weekend as well. That was in Sacramento. Everlyn Kemboy uh, coming in. She wins two events at the regionals. She wins the 5K and the 10K. And, and Kendra, we could be looking at a, a potential national champion. We have not had a, a national champion in track and field, outdoor track and field in the WAC since 2004. Everlyn Kemboy might not be the only one either this year as Greta Karanuskite 
sets the WAC record at in the steeplechase uh, this past weekend as well. She set the WAC championship record when we're in uh, at Stephen F. Austin, then goes to regionals, sets the WAC record. And by the way, the, the previous record holder, Courtney Frerichs, uh, who formerly ran at uh, UMKC, then transferred to New Mexico, won the silver medal in the Olympics uh, in Tokyo uh, this past Olympics. Uh, so that shows you how good a runner she was. And Karen Uskite really blew her record away. And th th this uh, championship, it it's normally in Oregon, uh, like every year. For, for some reason, it's in Texas this year. Yeah, it's held in Austin. And yeah, we have some... You know, Karen Newskite has been on our radar for, you know, a couple of years now from her cross country. I mean, it's just, she was the fastest NCAA first round time ever, nine minutes, 26.88. And then Everlyn Kemboy, man, she just continues to get faster and faster. She's breaking her own record and she's doing it by 20 plus seconds or more. And uh, I've talked to her a couple of times at some of our various events and she's just, she's so sweet. She's, she's just the nicest person in the world. And, you know, she, she's just like, I just keep running, you know, she's she was so <laughs> humble as well. And so really like to see, you know, them have some success as they go to Austin and uh, compete for the national championship. Yeah. We also have some, some other qualifiers. We had uh in addition to, we mentioned Kemboy in the 5K and the 10K, Yasna Petrova from California Baptist also qualifying in the 5K. We had Kira Christy Galloway qualifying from Grand Canyon in the 100-meter hurdles for nationals. Uh, of course, Karen Newskade. We had Nissi Kabongo from Stephen F. Austin qualifying in the high jump. And we had uh, Branson Ellis. He finished second at regionals in the pole vault, uh, the outstanding pole vaulter out of Stephen F. Austin. Uh, we had Cedar English from Southern Utah qualify in the men's long jump. We had Ashley Davis from Southern Utah qualify in the men's triple jump. He, he had an outstanding leap at uh, in Stephen F. Austin and Nacogdoches at as his he was trailing his final jump. He was able to propel himself into first place in one of those, you know, where uh, if you're watching a track meet and you hear a bunch of cheering going on in another part of the stadium, you're wondering what's happening. And that's that's kind of what happened uh, when uh, Ashley Davis was able to win the WAC championship in that event. We also have Isaac Canchola from Stephen F. Austin in the Javelin qualifying as well. So a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks there in uh, in Austin, Texas. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's our, it's technically summer school is out. I don't know if Seattle U is out. They do the, the, uh, yeah, they're not out till the end of June. June, but yeah, it's, you know, now it's our time. We, we reset a little bit and then we instantly shift our focus. Football media day will be early July. And, you know, with our, our new combined conference, the United athletic conference, you betcha. And uh, so we'll have we'll have a cool opportunity to, you know, speak with all those teams at Media Day and yeah, it just July all gets 14th. right back started again. Yeah, July 14th is the date we have targeted for that. And we'll have more information about that, hopefully uh, coming up in the next uh, week or two as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, uh, a lot, lot to talk about here, Kendra. So appreciate uh, appreciate everybody listening and uh, and maybe even watching a little bit of the WAC podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website 
at waxsports.com.